Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I am Jack. He is Frank. Uh, as always, we are going to be talking some Bears, obviously this being the Bears With Us podcast. Uh, we will get into our Bears-Falcons preview in a little bit, as we always do after we finish our Week 11 picks. Uh, but first, uh, there are a couple things that Frank and I wanted to get out there and talk about. Number one, I would say being the 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 big news being that Khalil Herbert was placed on IR, so he's out for four weeks. Uh, I tried to do some digging. It, even the Chicago Bears website didn't list what the exact injury was, um, so not totally sure what's going on there. Uh, before we get into the other stuff we wanted to talk about, Frank, what are your initial thoughts on Khalil Herbert missing the next four games here? It sucks. I mean, he's he's one of the best players on offense that the Bears have. I mean, you sort of rank them. Obviously, Justin Fields is one. You can make the case that Herbert's number two, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he is, but like, who else is even in contention? Him, Montgomery, Mooney. I'd like to put Claypool. We don't know the full utilization, but the list is short. Is the point that I'm making? So, like, this is a huge loss for the Bears on offense. Uh, he has been their best running back this year. Um, but I think to further that, why I dislike it as I'm looking into the future <clears throat> is Montgomery is due for a contract. Uh, and the one thing, and it was funny because I was going to bring that to this episode. And I was going to say the one thing that I'm really narrowing in with when it comes to Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert, Jesus, Khalil Herbert, uh, is how well he can improve over the course of these next uh, or this, you know, half of the season at pass blocking, because I think that's going to be a determining factor as to whether or not they bring back Montgomery, because that's the one thing that Montgomery has him beat by. And it's not even particularly close. So if you're thinking about value, um, you know, and protecting Justin Fields, I think that's an underrated way to do that is to get a running back who can sort of read gaps and, and know when he needs to lay the lumber on a linebacker that's blitzing or a defensive tackle that, uh, you know, has made his way inside. Um, <clears throat> so on a multitude of levels, this is is awful um and then even other thoughts are like now does montgomery take the lion's share and you're leaving him open to get hurt because even if he doesn't re-sign with us i like montgomery i'd like i want him to get a contract somewhere if not with us because i think he's earned it he's played really well um that may leave him up for injury you know so a few of those are a few of my initial thoughts did you have any any different thoughts uh initially upon hearing the news yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously not ideal, uh, just given what he was able to do in this offense. I mean, if you needed a big play, you know, Khalil Herbert outside of Justin Fields was usually the next guy making a big play. Uh, so that's definitely, you know, I, I think that will hurt this because, Frank, I, I know you've talked about uh, pass blocking being important, and it definitely is. But David Montgomery, just something hasn't looked quite right in this offense. I don't know if it's necessarily maybe just he doesn't fit what they're looking to do. He just doesn't look fast. Like, he, I mean, he's never really looked like he's obviously never looked like a burner or anything like, you know, Alvin Kamara or anything like that. But, I mean, he, he just it, it looks like he's getting hit at the, like after three or four yards every single time. And he's not really breaking tackles like he used to. Um, and they still haven't really been getting him involved in the pass game, which is still kind of strange to me. They aren't setting up those those screens for running backs, which is just it, it's a little weird. So I don't know if maybe David Montgomery just doesn't fit. Uh, but the 
positive of Herbert being out is that it does open the door for some other guys to step up. Uh, obviously, Tristan Ebner is a name that comes to mind. Vellis Jones. I mean, Frank, like time is running out on on this rookie season for Vellis Jones to, to make some sort of impact on this team in a positive way. Uh, I mean, receiver, you kind of have your receivers locked down, right? You have your five-man rotation um, of obviously Darnell Mooney. You have Cole Komet as your top as one of your top pass catchers now, Chase Claypool, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, and Equinemia St. Brown. That's your you know guy who's really going to play wide receiver when you're looking to block downfield. So you have, it, it, there, there aren't a lot of opportunities there. Um, can running back be one? I know that's something you and I have talked about multiple times uh, on this podcast. I, I've seen a lot more people today sort of starting to bring that up uh, as, as well. I mean, you're going to have to find some opportunities to get this kid involved. At the very least, you're going to have to seriously consider activating him to be your kick returner or punt returner. Because what other options are there? Dante Pettis? I mean, he looked He's okay. Been fine. Yeah. But, I mean, this is what you drafted Valus Jones to, to do. You got to give him a chance at some point, right? I, but see, here's I, I agree on the surface with what you're saying, but they did give him a chance. And and gr- granted, it, if that was the chance they gave him, it it's a shorter leash than you would like to see from a third rounder. But I think the other thing to, to take into consideration is they also seen him at practice. Um, so and they've never commented on whether or not he's had good or bad practices. But for the sake of what I'm going to say, let's just imagine he's had some bad practices. But they say, you know what? It's a possibility that he's just one of those guys that doesn't practice well but plays well. That's that's just a thing. Like at any level, that's a thing. You see guys on practice, you know, at practice that look like shit. They get into the game, all of a sudden, a, you know, a light switch goes on. And you know, in this scenario, let's say they did that, and he went out there, he's muffed some punts. That's lost us the game. Uh, he misses out on a beautiful deep ball a few weeks ago uh, that w- would have been like a 40-something yard gain, and it's like, it's the final straw for me. I, like, as a coaching staff, we can't continue to put this guy out there because he hurts the team more than he helps them. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying in that scenario, I can see that him not being activated at all because you you have to, like the reason why I painted that picture is because you, you have to imagine that the scenario – to the coaching staff has to be pretty dire when he can't get on the field when Byron Pringle was still on IR before, before we traded for Claypool. And it's like, we had, you know, we had nobody's basically out there. It was Darnell Mooney and, and EQ and Pettis, like Pettis, Dante Pettis was getting snaps over him in, in the slot and on the outside. I mean, that is, that's not a good look at all yeah. from a third rounder. Um, and to your other point, I, this is pure speculation on our end, but it's because we see how good he is with the ball in his hands. He looks explosive. And we talked about this when he had that touchdown run. We talked about it when he had a a pretty good game on a couple of bubble screens and such. When he gets the ball in his hands, he looks like a good football player. It's, it's about getting the ball in his hands. (laughs) Um, with this injury, I would think the coaching staff could recognize that and get him. It didn't have to be 20 snaps at running back maybe five or 10, two or three handoffs, maybe a screen and see what happens. But I hope it happens because you have to salvage, you have to try to salvage the situation some way. I would hate for the very first skill position player 
that Ryan Poles picks up is cut in a year or two. Again, on one hand, you commend that he's able to just recognize, hey, he's not it, and you move on from him. But that doesn't negate the fact that you still picked this guy in the third round and also didn't pick guys in the second round that were there that are clearly better than him. Yeah, and, and you know, we already have some... Uh, we have examples now of of third round punt returners getting cut. Green Bay just cut Amari Rogers. He was their former third round pick. So uh, it, it's definitely not inconceivable to think that Valus Jones, if he doesn't step it up, could very well be that guy who does get cut because there really aren't a lot of opportunities. And it, you're right, Frank. Like I think that's what's frustrating for Bears fans right now, and 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 sort of just not really understanding what is going on with Valus Jones, because it's not like when he touched the ball, he looked terrible, right? He he was making terrible reads, terrible cuts. He didn't, you know, didn't know what he was doing. He looked good. He looked like an explosive player. And on an offense that's short of that, or at least was before, you know, Cole Komet really came into his own and has been just absolutely fucking incredible lately. Um, you don't really have any big play guys. Now the chase Claypool is here. He's starting to get mixed in a little bit more. I'd love to see them go his way. You know, as the offense continues to progress, I think the next couple of weeks are honestly a great opportunity for him to do so. Um, but it, it's just strange that the bears were sort of not giving a guy a chance. And, and I'm not even saying, he didn't he, he should just get a chance because he's a third round pick, like you said. But it was just weird that a guy who you obviously valued highly, you drafted him in the third round, a guy who looks explosive, a guy who adds something to your offense that you don't really have a lot of at the time. And they didn't even have him dress like that. That's, I think, what Bears fans are like. What what is going on? Like, be and it, it's such a. I feel like we're in such a strange space, Frank, because you and I, as Bears fans, have experienced rebuilds before, right? We we have. We've gone through it. This one feels weird. It feels like they're developing faster than they ever have before. They're not necessarily competing. I think that's very clear from trading Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. But... Like the Bears aren't giving young guys chances just because they're young guys or just because they're they're building. They're still saying we are going to play the best guys we have, and and that's it. It's it's fascinating. I think it's a good indication of what this culture is going to be moving forward and what Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are looking to build this team like, which I think can be encouraging, but it also. <clears throat> You do have to criticize them a, a little bit. I mean, are you what, what? Like, can you not recognize that it makes more sense for Valus Jones to be playing right now than it does for Dante Pettis to be playing? And I'm I'm just picking a name out of a hat. I'm not saying yeah. Dante Pettis has been good or bad. I'm I'm just saying just a random name. Like, does the development of this offense is Dante Pettis playing? What does that do for you as opposed to seeing what your third round pick gives you? Yeah, it's but you know what? I even struggle with that, Jack, because we've also never really had a quarterback who's progressed like we have with yeah. Justin Fields. Because you think about, I mean, the best quarterback we've ever experienced was Jay Cutler. But I think we 
sort of stunted his growth and he just was who he was, albeit as talented as he was. He just never really got better or worse than that. As he got older, you can make the argument got a little bit worse. Um, and then Mitch just sort of halted. He sort of was who he was. But now we have a quarterback who's ascending in a way that, again, we've never seen in our lifetime. I mean, the only my grandpa's told me about Sid Luckman a time or two, and that's probably the only time I've heard about, you know, a phenomenal quarterback in a Bears uniform. Um, And I say that to say sometimes having just a more competent player may be better for that because we know that development of Justin Fields is the most important thing here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that that's what I think that's sort of why I hearken back when it comes to David Montgomery's pass blocking, because it's like I think uh Herbert is the better pure runner at this point. And he fits this system better, this this running uh style that they have implemented or running game. But the pass blocking has to mean something. And I, I feel it's the same way with like Bellis Jones. Like whatever he was doing wrong within this offense, they probably felt was stunting. Justin's growth. If they didn't feel that way, maybe they would say, Hey, you know what? Right now in this moment, Dante Pettis may be better, but we need to develop this kid. And so there has to be like that, that sort of balance to it. But I, again, I, I more, I lean more towards you, but I feel like we both lean that way because I don't think we fully understand what it takes to develop a quarterback. Cause we've never like experienced it to a degree where it's like, sometimes Paul says something or Eberflus or Luke Getzi. And I'm like, damn, that's right. That's true. And even like to a point like last year when people were breaking down Justin Fields' film and that Niners game and that Steelers game. And I was like, damn, I never even thought about that with a young quarterback and like why what he just did, why it looked bad on the surface, but it was actually progress. You know what I mean? Because we just right. never have had it before. Um, and the other thing uh, that I did want to talk on really quick with this situation is this is a huge opportunity for Tristan Ebner. Um, yeah. Maybe from my angle, more you know, it means more to me than anyone else. Because maybe, right or wrong, I was really excited about him after I watched his tape when we drafted him. Because I thought he could have could be another explosive player. Again, that doesn't mean like he's the lead back right away, but just like a little gadget play every now and then. You know, like are you even like graduating to being the third down back? Like you're sort of our James White type of thing. And when he got reps, he just didn't look anything like his college tape. Like he didn't look quick. He didn't look fast. He even looked a little bulkier. Like, I don't know if he, yeah. they asked yeah. him to bulk up or if he did it on his own. I'm like, this is, but this could be a really big opportunity for him. Because if you think about last, like last year, Khalil Herbert was nowhere near a lead back. He didn't really get his shot until Montgomery got hurt. So this could be another one of those situations where he steps in and we look towards next year and we say, you know what, Montgomery, thank you for your service. This was a phenomenal four years, but we got to let you go. Cause now we have two guys that we have faith in. And we want to play and get them involved in the offense yep. as well. Yeah, I mean, see, but but the the conversation that you're having with Tristan Ebner is exactly what I'm alluding to with Bayless Jones. Like, Tristan Ebner is going to get an opportunity. Is he getting an opportunity because he's one of the best players they ha- like at the running back position, or is it just we need a running back? He's one of the guys that plays that position. So you see what I'm saying? Like, Bayless Jones. This is the, in my opinion, the absolute perfect opportunity to play him at running back, just to see what you have. Like, I, I, I feel like if if Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and and Luke Getzey are out on Bayless Jones already, to me that's like a huge knock against them because that there's no way. There's no and and again I know what you're saying like you're you're talking about we don't obviously don't see them in practice and that's that is true we do not see them in practice 
But, like, how can you say that you have a full evaluation of a guy when he's barely played? Like, even when he was active, Luke Getze really wasn't using him all that much. And it's like he would get this, you know, he, they, they'd run a jet sweep. He'd get, you know, a 12-yard gain, and then he'd disappear for, like, two quarters at a time. And it's like, what? Like, I, I just don't understand why they're not using him. Like, it, it, it's almost my complaint that I had with Arthur Smith, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later when we do Bears-Falcons, but, like, why draft guys and then not use them? I, I understand they're rookies. I, I, I get he's a rookie, but, like, you one of your defenses for the pick, because it was a question that popped up, him being an older prospect, why did you draft him in the third round? Why did you feel like that was a, a, an okay time to take him? Well, we feel like he's not going to need that much development. We feel like he's going to be able to come right, you know, come in right away and play. And then you just don't use him. Like, I I, I just, I don't get, I, I just don't understand that. So from your conversation, from your angle on Tristan Ebner, I feel like it applies even more so to, to Valus Jones to at least give him an opportunity to see if he fits in your offense somewhere. You can't yeah. just give up on him already. There, you no, that's, just, you can't. That's that's fair. And again, I, I lean more so towards what you're saying because I don't know how big of an indictment it would be, whether large or small, but it is an indictment because I think you look at Bellis Jones and you can see that he can do things on a football field. And if you are Lou Getze thinking about maximizing people's talent, he's someone that you got to get a little bit more out of. So I, yeah. I, I that that portion I agree with. Again, if he's just not very good outside of the few flashes that we've seen from him, it is what it is, and uh, ho- hopefully they're just more open about that. So we, we at least have an understanding that you know if we ever do part with him or a- as we start to you know fill out that receiver room and he just falls out of the rotation even more next year or whatever. Um, but I, I I agree with you. I mean it's it's a similar conversation on a much smaller scale that we have with Mitch and Nagy, where it's like we know he may not be good or great or anything, but like he can do some things. Like let's start maximizing what he can do. And and I think the same could be said for Bellis Jones, where it's like maybe he can't. He's not all that great at catching, but when you get the ball in his hands, he looks really explosive. So let's find a way to get the ball in his hands, whether that means running back, whether that means sort of uh, like the H-back type of role where you're lined up on the side of a, a tight end or, or right behind a tight end slot, so like something. Let's let's try to do something because he can make somewhat of an impact, like you said, hopefully more of a positive one than anything. Um, even if it means like going in the next year, he's like your wide receiver four, but he's more of a gadget player. That's okay. Right. But it's like, we don't even know if he can be that at this point. Yeah, and you know, I, I just think, and this will kind of lead us, this will kind of segue us into our, our next conversation because this may shock our, our listeners to hear, but Frank and I disagree on something, on something pretty pretty important to the Bears conversation. I found it interesting because uh, usually you and I are, are, are sort of on the same page, and I've, ha- I've heard a lot of comments about that, about how we, we need to be more like Skip and we need to be more like Stephen A. And we need to be like, you know, those those shows that just scream at each other the entire time. I disagree with that. I, I, I enjoy having a, a solid conversation with Frank, but I, I think this is one of the few things we, we disagree on so far. Um, but before we get to that, it's just like it, it's so funny to me. And you brought up Matt Nagy, and this is kind of why I was going this way. It's just like every single week is just such an indictment on him as an offensive coach and as a play caller in general. I don't know how he ever 
gets another job as a head coach in the, in the NFL. Like he couldn't use Justin Fields at all. He couldn't use Cole Komet at all. Like you look at what Cole Komet and, and granted it took Luke Getze a little bit to figure out exactly how to, I mean, he was a ghost for the first, what, six weeks of the season or seven, eight weeks. Like it took him a minute to get here. But now it's like, dude, where has this guy been? Why, why did they not use him? And it's like, it, it goes back to what I was talking about with Villas Jones. Like Matt Nagy talked about Cole Komet. Like he was like, he was like their Travis Kelsey. Remember that was like, where we're like excited about, you know, them picking him, things like that. And he just never figured out he was throwing fades to fucking Jimmy Graham. Like, what are we doing here? It's, it's just so funny to see how certain guys have flourished and grown. And it goes back to something that you and I had talked about. I don't know how many times. Everyone who is criticizing Mitch Trubisky in, in the bears offense. And like, he's just holding them back. He's not the guy. It's like, who else in this offense is producing? Nobody. And right. And, and we got, we thought that maybe Nagy just wasn't a good teacher. He just wasn't a good teacher of his, uh, uh, like able to explain how his offense works. I think Luke Gessie has, has figured out a way to do that because there are some guys that are really stepping up. I'm, I'm hoping Darnell Mooney can sort of catch up to that as well. Cause he's made some really nice plays, but he hasn't, had that ascension he looks more like a guy that you and I had thought he was right like a wide receiver too he just doesn't look like the guy that they were hoping he'd be in and continuing that growth into a wide receiver one agreed um but Jackie I think it's time to get to the disagreement here uh because Shot me a text and I've seen the rumblings and I've ignored it all over Twitter. I've just, I've just completely ignored it. Cause I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's asinine that this is even a conversation. <laughs> I do, but I, I, I think, I think we disagree more philosophically on the issue than the actual subject at hand. So I, I'll spell it out for everybody this week. There has been a lot of headlines and a lot of videos. I, I think was it Dan Orlovsky that is at the forefront yeah. one more. It, so he, he's at the forefront. Um, of saying that Justin Fields should be an MVP candidate this season. Um, and I just wholeheartedly disagree. I just don't, I, I don't, you can't have him as your MVP. Even if he had, like, let's just say he has the same type of game the last two weeks that he, you know, that he did the rest of this season. He's compiling 300 combined plus yards, the rest of the, whether it's passing, running, however it works. And we continue to lose. We're probably going to get one or two more wins uh, over the course of the year, if not even, you know, three. Um, I, that's not MVP worthy to me. Like, like to, because to me, you, like winning has a lot to do with who was MVP. Like, even if Jalen Hurts fizzles out a tad bit over the last couple of weeks of the season, I would still favor him much more. Uh, than I would with Justin Fields. And that's obviously not to say that I think Justin, I mean, I think Justin Fields is, is great right now. I love it. I'm starting him everywhere that I have him in Dynasty. I, I, I love the way he's producing. But just from a philosophical standpoint, I I can't, I mean, like, were these conversations happening with Deshaun Watson when he threw for like 5,000 yards and they won four games? I would have felt the same way then. It, it's just like, you. I, how can you give someone MVP? Like, what were they most valuable for? Winning five games? So, 
this to me is is always an interesting question, an interesting <laughs> debate, because it, it's such a unique way to interpret what most valuable means to you. So, for example, you you believe that a winning the best player on a winning team should constitute MVP. My issue with that, Frank, is that if that was the case, then there should never be another winner of an award outside of one to two guys. And right now, I'm, ta- I'm talking about right now. I'm not talking about the past right now. Patrick Mahomes and I guess, the, and, and probably what, Josh Allen? Those are probably your two guys. But yes, to me, it's, I think... It's more fun and engaging. Like, you look at the NBA. LeBron James should win MVP every single season. Maybe not this year because they're not, you know, he's he's older. Their Lakers are terrible. But, like, that is the most valuable player on your team. You put LeBron James on any single roster, and, and he infinitely impro- improves that, that, that whole team. But you look at Derrick Rose's, the 2011 season, and he wins MVP. But... They weren't necessarily the best team, but he was the best player and he made that team better. So I, I understand where you're coming from, that winning should matter. I just feel like we've seen examples from other sports where that isn't necessarily the case, where you look at what Justin Fields is doing and the only other person that is doing what he has or, or did what he's doing now is Lamar Jackson when he won MVP. Like, and I, and I get it, but I don't think it should be held against Justin Fields that his defense can't stop anybody. Like, I, I, I think if you put, we, we talked about this after the Miami game, you flip those quarterbacks, Tua Vilo is not putting up 30 points with this, with this offense. It's just not going to happen. Justin Fields has elevated this offense, has literally risen them from the grave. They, I mean, you think about the Packers' performance, the Texans' game, the Giants' game, hell, even the Vikings' game. I mean, the Vikings' game was really what started all of this, in my opinion. He didn't finish with the best numbers, but he brought them back from a 21-point deficit. Commanders' game, Thursday Night Football, they moved the ball. They just couldn't punch it in the end zone. The Cowboys game. People thought that the Cowboys were going to kill him with that offensive line going up against that defensive line. He had a respectable showing. Three total touchdowns. No no turnovers. Right? Then he goes, uh, or excuse me, that was the Patriots game before the Cowboys game. Against one of what we thought was one of the best defenses in the league. And Justin looked like he belonged. And then you see what he did against the Dolphins and what he did against the Lions. I just don't think that there's a lot of other people that you could put into this Bears offensive system right now and, and expect someone to play better than he's playing right now. Well, so I, 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 last thing I'll say real quick, and then I'll let you you retort to that. But I'm not necessarily saying that Justin Fields should win MVP. I'm not saying I'm I'm there yet. I absolutely believe he should be in the conversation, though. I think, see, in everything except for that last statement, I agree with. Um, From the philosophical standpoint, this is why I've always said, like, 
you know, when people debate Michael Jordan and LeBron, they talk MVPs. I'm like, you just shut up because they should they should have both <laughs> won MVP 15 right. times. Like it's right. they, they were the most valuable player in the league. Their whole careers damn near like that. That's a stupid argument. So from that standpoint, I totally agree. But that's not quite the same argument here. Um, everything that you named from the, the, the games to his performance to him really being probably the only player outside of Mahomes, Lamar, and Josh Allen that could probably succeed in this offense and do what he's doing, that means offensive player of the year to me. Yeah. Like, I, I would be completely okay. As a matter no. of fact, I would say he should be the front runner for offensive player of the year right now. When you add in the context of the help that he has around him, like who else would be there? Maybe Tua, but you think about all the weapons he has Tyreek. But again, that, I mean, he's getting fed and it's not his fault. He's a fun. He's, I think he's this year, the best receiver in in, in the league. I don't think that's controversial to say, Um, but a good, a, a great receiver. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, these great receivers just need competence around them to put up really good numbers. Justin Fields, you know, for him to do what he's doing with like nothing around him is insane, quite literally to a point where he's breaking rushing records because he has he's like scrambling, looking for someone to throw to and no one's there. You know what I mean, like he's like literally, yeah. quite literally taking it to his own hands. So obviously he's having a phenomenal year. But when I think about the scope of MVP, especially in the NFL, it's usually the best player on the best team um, or, or one of the best teams. And, but that, that's what makes me, again, that's why it turns into a different conversation when you talk about like what MVP should actually look like. Cause I think Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning should have had more than they had. Like it's, right. it's very clear that they were MVPs of, of, of seasons like the, pro sports, like sort of the, the Cinderella narrative yeah. or like the, Oh, we came out. And so that's probably why Jalen hurts is going to win it this year. If they just continue to win and he plays so, as well as he has, I'm not saying he's not deserving of it, but again, when you talk about most valuable, I think this season it's Patrick Mahomes, and I don't know if it's particularly close. If you're just objectively forgetting narratives, he's been the best football player on the planet this year, um, especially with Josh Allen's struggles as of late. So I, I get what you're saying there, but again, for me, my biggest disagreement when it comes to Justin Fields is he hasn't won. And if you if we're speaking just objectively, he hasn't closed out games yet this year. Yeah, you think, and and we have legitimate excuses for that, but you can't really use that because the results are the results when it comes to you know thinking about awards and such. You think about the game, um, uh, the the missed PI call. Who the hell? Miami. My, that, I, I get it. There was a missed PI and there was a drop pass, but that was a game where Justin Fields didn't win the game. Um, you think about this last game, it was something that you talked about. And I'm sure we'll talk about as to what we want to see in this next game. That fourth, the, you know, the last five minutes of that game weren't pretty with this offense things when things had to be more on schedule. And again, I'm not blaming Justin Fields. I think there's a lot going on with the offensive line and such, but just looking at what it was, it didn't happen. Um, so that all goes into an MVP. If he wins both of those games, I may you know, be leaning more towards where you're at. Now, again, there's circumstances that prevented that that weren't just on him. Yeah. But the results are the results. And I hate that I even, I'm making this argument because we're looking at things so cut and dry with the win and loss. And you know, and everyone who listens, knows, I don't give a fuck about that for this season. But in <laughs> order to talk about MVP, I think that's a, a, a relevant conversation to have. 
See, that's that's why I, I wanted to talk about this on the podcast, because I, I, I disagree with you. And, and I don't think that. See, it, it's such an interest. I feel like for MVP. You can never use the same argument for each player or each candidate you want to talk about. I feel like it is almost so situational. I mean, if if Justin Fields had Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Andy Reid, you know, would he be winning games? If he had Les Frazier's defense right now in Buffalo, would he be winning more games? You know what I mean? So it's like, I understand what you're saying. But the Bears are also like the first team in history to score 30 points or so, or, or average like 29 points a game in three straight games and lose all three of them. So it's like it's it's hard for me to say, well, Justin Fields, because his team isn't winning, he it should be a knock against him for MVP because that's just the way that I see it. So MVP has always been a, a fascinating conversation for me just because there's so many different ways. Like, like you said, and like I said earlier, I mean, if you're going MVP, if you're just going strict sense, most valuable player, it's LeBron James every single year. Right. It's Peyton Manning every single – it's Tom Brady. No, you know what? I'm not even going to say Tom Brady because he's he wasn't the most valuable player. Let's call it what it was until the end of the year. You know, I, I, end of his Patriots career, even though you could argue maybe it was Gronk. Maybe it was the most valuable player. I don't know. So I kind of saw how he died out. Uh, but like Mike Trout should arguably win MVP every single season. But because his Angels team is terrible, he doesn't. And I, I don't necessarily agree with that. So I, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not necessarily saying that if the season ended today, and I had a vote, which I definitely do not. I, I, I'm i not saying I would vote for Justin Fields to be MVP. I'm just saying he. I, I believe he deserves to be in the conversation when you talk about what does the most valuable player mean right now. I, I'm, I'm telling you, if you added Justin Fields into some of these offenses, those numbers are going to look a lot better. And I think he's obviously, those numbers look great on their own. So it's, it's kind of... I get what you're saying, and I get where you're coming from. I think offensive player of the of of the year should definitely be in conversation. I would say, arguably, right now it should be him, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, maybe Patrick Mahomes. Right, that that's probably my four right now. Well, I th- don't they have a thing now though, where if you win MVP, you won't win offensive player of the year? Haven't they sort probably. of switched? I, I don't know if it's a formal thing, but I think they've informally decided, like, if you're MVP, you're not going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Because there was a year where Jonathan Taylor won Offensive Player of the Year, and he was also in the MVP conversation. Maybe Pat Mahomes won it that year. I don't remember who yeah. did. But, no, I, I, again, from that standpoint, I agree. Um, and, again, I think he should be the front runner for Offensive Player of the Year right now because, to me, that's not – like, MVP just has more to do with winning. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little bit more of a uh, of a layered – um, award that all offensive player of the year just means like who balled out the most this year on offense. And I think you can make the case that Justin has, well, Oh, especially over the last four weeks, like he has to finish strong cause he started so slow. So if like, if we ended it right now and, and Justin Jefferson or Tyree kill one, and I wouldn't be upset at it. Um, but the way he's ascending, you'd have to think he's one of the front runners to get that. Um, it's also, I, I and I, I get what you mean. I think it really is probably my last retort. I, I get what you mean when you say like switch him in other systems, but that's just like not, 
it's hard to, to even to, to say that. I mean, because like for, you know, as, as much as the Buccaneers are struggling, put Tom Brady on Kansas City and I don't think anything changes. Like it may look a little bit different, but I think he wins just as much as Pat does there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's tough to say. So we may be looking at Tom as like, he should win MVP if he was in Kansas City. So like if we switch role, it's, I feel like it's a slippery slope there. Cause then you also look like, what if Justin was on the Texans? He'd still be doing some glorious things, but like, I don't even know if they would have won the three games that we've won. But it, it, what I'm saying is that granted, like, like I, I understand what you're saying about Brady, but I'm talking specifically a guy like Justin Fields, who's doing things, breaking records that nobody, I mean, literally has broken a record this year for rushing yards by a quarterback in a game. And then almost followed that up with breaking it again. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm talking about if a guy is able to break records at a certain position that season, he should absolutely be in a conversation for MVP. I just because because it's just not it, it's not like Justin Fields is just like, you know, throwing for 200 and, and you know, a couple touchdowns and then rushes for 50 yards like those those numbers are nice. So that's kind of where it comes from me with like a guy like Jalen Hurts, who I think has been very good. But like what Justin Fields is doing right now in these in this four game stretch is special. And I think that that should always elevate a player into the MVP conversation. I that's I, my I two hate, cents. I hate that two. you're wrong. I really do. You hate that I'm right. No, you don't. You love being right. Let's yeah. call it, let's call it what the fuck it is. I do. I mean, listen, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure you wouldn't be mad if he won MVP down the no, road. No, it's, but you know, I'm not going to lie to you though. P- part of me as well. And this is totally unrelated. It's not why I feel the way I feel this. That's just my philosophy when it comes to MVP. Yeah. But part of me is like, even if he continues on this trend, I'm, I'm also rooting for him to not win it just because I know Twitter is going to be a fucking shitstorm <laughs> If we win four or five games and Justin Fields is the MVP, like we're already dealing with a lot of racist tropes and things with him only being a running back. Like I can only fucking imagine the trolls and things that are going to come out, you know, for that. So again, I, I would be on a personal, level, it's ecstatic. Like he, he, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. Cause he, again, if you're offensive player of the year, you're probably worthy of other awards. But what I'm saying is my philosophical mind says you need to win more to get it. I would be happy for him. I'd you be shouting what? from the rooftops. It'd be amazing. You know what? This is setting up for, well, obviously, hopefully not a Derrick Rose career arc, you know, because that obviously didn't go great. But this is kind of setting up like the, the, the what was it, 20, 2009 to 2010 season where you're like, okay, all right, well, what do we got? You know, Derrick Rose looks looks pretty fucking good. Most improved. That might be an award as well. He may if win you, most. I mean, that's he's a, he should be a shoe in for most improved. Is that Do they the have word? the most improved in the I, NFL? No, no, no. I think I think NFL has comeback player of the year. I think that's and that's, that's always like that's Saquon. Saquon's going to win that because he's coming off an injury. Yeah. yeah, it was like what Alex Smith wanted, even though he played like all one he had game, to do. Just, all he had to do, he just had to take one snap. I mean, from that leg break, he could have been calling plays that year just as their OC, and he should have won it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Tua. Would you consider Tua? Yeah, maybe, but I, I think Saquon, Saquon coming off of two pretty big injuries and doing what he's doing, I think is probably more deserved. How NFL would it be if Deshaun Watson won that award? <laughs> he likes to come other places. Yeah, yeah yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, Jesus Christ. 
No, but I mean, I, this this is kind of setting up for for like because because Justin yeah. kind of reminds me of Derek in in a, in a certain way. I like mean, think the, Jack, the, think about the, the, the way they be... talk. Yeah, the way they were like level headed. Yeah. Except we found out Derek was into some some interesting things on the outside, but that's not important. All right, what I'm talking about is strictly on the field. I mean, but even think about you know what they're able to do on the field and on the court, and this could be a, a fun conversation in the off season. Like, who else in our lifetime, like, really captivated the city like that? Derek did. Like, the, the, the young Cubs, I don't know if you can narrow it to one, but maybe probably Chris Bryant was, was you can make the argument for him. But baseball is just so different. Baseball, there's not, like, yeah, there's Javi, so maybe it. Javi. Yeah, it, it was more of a total team. Um, and then Justin Fields, right? I mean, who else... Because even thinking like when the Bears offense is good, Matt Forte was good, but I don't know, he didn't captivate the city. Like the, the Bears, Jay like Cutler maybe. Jay was so split down the middle. He was he Cutler. was the most polarizing athlete probably that we'll ever see in, in, I, in a Chicago uniform. But um, that's actually probably. Th- like Erlacher was good, great. But yeah, I mean, that that would probably generate a ton of a ton of responses in a positive way. If you were to say. Justin Fields is by far the most electric athlete that the Bears have, or, or Chicago, Chicago fans have, in, have, have endured. Is it, it's been since Derrick Rose. I don't that, think that's it's, the only other person you can put in that conversation. I know hockey fans will get DeMar? mad and they'll say Patrick Kane, and and but I don't watch hockey, so I don't maybe, know. Maybe Demar Derozan. No, right now, absolutely not. I know Zach Levine's your guy. I know how much you love. Absolutely, you know, I, he 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 should be putting up empty stats with the Bobcats. Bring the Bobcats back just so they can pay him two hundred million, so, they, so he can put up twenty and eight and win twenty seven games. Well, no, you need the you need the CLT jerseys. You got to have those for the yeah, Hornets. Yeah, you need you need the clit. Yeah, <laughs> gotta have it. I love that. No, I mean, but seriously, like maybe that shows how barren we've been just as a, a sports town. Um, because even thinking back to like the the White Sox, well, Tim Anderson had a shot this year was just for shit for them, but he really the not this past year but the yeah. year before that he really captivated the city. He was fun to watch. And, and see, this is this goes back to something I was talking about a couple, a few weeks ago when I was talking about how the Bears need to be able to start drafting like star players. Like, yeah, I'm not saying to get Justin Jefferson specifically, though, if they I mean, my God, that catch that he had. Jack, I, I don't even that was that, dude. That, that's the greatest catch I've ever seen in my life. I was just going to say that's no hyperbole. That is the best catch I've ever seen in my life. Throw out the Odell Beckham one. Throw out the George Pickens one. Right. I I don't care about the moment. People are going to say the helmet catch because it was a Super Bowl. Forget the moment. Just isolate what you saw. This man ripped the ball out of two hands of a defender, is falling down, lets it not hit the ground, and secures it. That that was insane. That's the best catch I've ever seen in my life. And even if you want to put it, even if you want to add the context of the moment, that's fourth down. It was that's, so there, there was have like, to have that. There, there, there was context and why it was an important catch, but even just the catch itself, the level yeah. of difficulty for him to have. I mean, how strong I can imagine shaking his fucking hand. How strong does your hand have to be yeah. to do that? To, to 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 rip the ball that way, to maintain control, and the ball never bobbled. It wasn't like he, he tipped it and it bobbled. No, he had full control of that thing. That was yeah. nuts. No, that was that's I mean, so I'm not saying they should get him. But I mean, like I said, if they can go for it, but they need to get get guys like that. They need because because I mean, like Bears fans, Chicago fans in general, 
we've been so depri- so deprived of having true superstars in this town because ever since Jerry Reinsdorf sold sold the fucking devil so we could have Michael Jordan and the Bulls win six titles. I mean, my God, we did. Like, we forgot to name Michael. Someone's gonna listen to this podcast and pause and no, not listen no, no, anymore because no, 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 we no, did forget no. to name I, Michael. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not. We didn't forget Michael because I'm talking about set like like even if you want to stop at Derek, like it's Derek on who who have who has been who has gotten Bears fans, Chicago yeah. fans as excited about a player as Justin Fields has. I would argue Derek Rose was the last one. Nowadays. Everybody wants to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Michael. (laughs) Man, nobody will ever forget (laughs) Michael because everyone keeps having these (laughs) stupid fucking conversations. Oh, is it LeBron or is it like I dude, I'm tired of it. Let it go. I yeah. I don't want to. We'll, we'll save we'll get that. Down we'll a whole save rabbit hole. We'll, yeah, we'll, but we'll save that for because we got to get to our picks so we can. Yeah, <laughs> we let's can talk. And, and this will this will be a little bit quicker than it was last week. Although I say that now, and whoever who knows how long it'll ever be. But uh, Thursday night football, Tennessee at Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay finally showing some fucking life. Uh, I mean, goddamn Dallas. I mean, come on, man. Like, I'm not even gonna give Green Bay like. They, they, that offense still doesn't look very good outside of Christian Watson just running really fast down the field and being open. That's great. But, I mean, Dallas, like, come on, man. That that was your chance, and they blew it. That being said, I'm going Green Bay. I told you last week, Frank, that this could be the run, the, the, the start of something for the Packers. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're going to get on a run because they always fucking do, and it's happening starting again Thursday night. I'm going Green Bay over Tennessee. Yeah, and that's what I predicted before the year was that they'd start slow. I just thought they'd pick it up a little bit earlier than what they did, but I don't know, Jack. T- Tennessee is n- not a flashy team. They never have been in our whole fucking life. But when they had these these sort of regimes that when they're winning, this is how they play. It's smash-mouth football. It's in the trenches. It's running first. This is a big test for Green Bay, dude. Because Dallas, while they're a good team and probably the second-best team in the NFC East— they don't bring that. We saw that in the Bears game. They don't punch you in the mouth. Tennessee is going to punch Green Bay in the mouth, and I don't know if they're going to be able to respond to that. I'm going Tennessee. All right. I like it. Uh, we'll save Bears at Atlanta for last. Uh, Philadelphia at Indianapolis. Uh, Frank, I I told you, I told you. What if this Jeff Saturday thing works? That being said, I'm going Philadelphia. I will not be tricked by either team. Philadelphia is still clearly the better team than Indianapolis. And the Raiders are just so damn bad. There's no way Indianapolis wins two in a row. No way. I'm going Philly. Yeah, I think it was more of an indictment on how bad the Raiders are per Jeff Saturday's tweet uh, before he was the coach. Um, (laughs) But it also, it, it, it gave me like a... You know, Panthers trading Christian McCaffrey. We're all in. We're doing it for for the skipper. Uh, And the Eagles aren't that team to do that against. I'm going Eagles. Uh, The Jets at New England. uh, I I had a a tougher time with this than I thought I was going to, Frank. That being said, I'm going to go New England. Uh, I, I just I can't see Zach Wilson going into New England and winning a football game. I just I can't do it. 
That's yeah. I mean, that's really where where I stand with it. I think it'll be one of those ugly games because Mac Jones oh, yeah. isn't having a, a a great year. But I mean, he so there's something about Bill B that just owns the Jets and more specifically their quarterbacks. He ruined Sam Darnold. He's going to ruin Zach Wilson. Oh, well, he Zach Wilson. He didn't need to be ruined. He he is who he is. But <laughs> he came in ruined. Yeah, he 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 came in ruined. But yeah, I, I think the Patriots win like an ugly, you know, twenty to fourteen type of game. Well, I told you, I mean, Josh McDaniels go running home to, to daddy in New England. Dude, that's going to be, that's going to be a fun conversation to have. We're in such a unique year. We're, we're going to have like two or three first year head coaches just get bounced because we've also been in a unique situations where these are first year head coaches that are expected to win right away. And that's usually not the case Yep. and they ain't fucking winning. So (laughs) we're about to really see what, you know, what is what here. Um, Washington at Houston, uh, man, Taylor Heineke. I, I, I was, I, he's just a, he's just a baller. Let's just call. I mean, I know he had the strip sack <laughs> on the first play of the game, but come on, man. Like he's throwing fucking dimes to Terry McLaurin last night. It was, it was impressive to watch. I I'm going Washington. Houston is just like, they're, they're just a mess right now. They need a lot. They need wide receivers. They need a quarterback and, and they need a better defense as well. So I'm going, I'm going Washington. I'm going Washington as well. Again, it's hard for me to pick Houston really against anyone. They're an NFL team, so they're going to surprise us and win another game or two probably, or at least one more game. But, I mean, talent-wise up and down, Washington is is better. And it's not us being fooled by them beating Philadelphia. The only point I had on that is that's a division game. People want to scream how the NFL is fixed. Division games get fucking wonky. Dude, these guys play each other twice a year. So shit happens. Um, but yeah, it's they, they should win that game. Uh, Rams at New Orleans. Uh, I, I'm going to go New Orleans in this one, um, regardless of who's playing quarterback, if it's Matt Stafford, if it's John Wolford. I mean, the Rams kind of seem broken at this point. Like Cooper Cup, obviously out for an extended period of time, if not sounds like it could be the rest of the year, depending on how this get the rest of the season goes. I mean, I, I know people are going insane about Allen Robinson now, but like, dude, have you been watching all year? He's he's just he's not doing. And and if it's John Wolford at quarterback, like, come on, man, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go New Orleans because they, their defense, I think, can keep them in this game and and ultimately win it. Uh, I yeah, I'm going New Orleans as well for all the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, the Rams are still very talented on paper. So they could pull these types of games off, but how the fuck can you have any sort of faith? Like I know the saints haven't been a good team this year, but there's spurts of like, man, the defense look good this game. Yep. You know, Andy Dalton had some good drives. There hasn't been any, even in the Rams wins. They just, it's ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it just hasn't looked right all year. It's been and surprising. not for nothing. That locker room is fucking divided. Jalen Ramsey has been very outspoken for how upset he is at that offense. And quite frankly, I don't blame him. That yeah. defense has not been all that bad this year. Matter of fact, they've been good. I, w- yeah. I haven't looked at the statistics. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a top five statistical defense this season. They played well. They did uh, against Colt McCoy, who I could not believe is still in this fucking league. I, I was stunned to see that. Uh, Cleveland at Buffalo. I mean, come on, this this has to be the get right game for for Buffalo. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson is uh, eligible to practice. Uh, I believe he will be back. Not next week, because I think they're on a bye next week. And then I think it's week 13. Yes, week 13. You know, he'll be you know back who they play? Season. 
Yeah, they play the Houston Texans. Don't tell me the NFL doesn't like its stories, probably. Yeah. No shit. Um. Now I'm going. I was looking. Yeah, the Bills. This has to be their get right game, right? But it, it, it's also it. It could not. They went through this weird funk last year towards the end of the year, yeah. right before the playoffs, and they just seem to hit this weird wall. And I tried to put my finger on it watching that game last week, and I was like, "Is it because they don't have that great of a running game?" But the running game worked, and it Gavin still Singletary looked like weird. Looked pretty good. It just it, it looked. Josh Allen just seems to maybe lose focus every now and then. It could be one of those things, though. Like how I thought it was going to be with the Rams this year, where like early on, just regular season doesn't do it for them. That yeah. might be the case with Josh Allen sometimes, where he's like, ah, it's fucking November. It's about to be Thanksgiving. Who gives a fuck? Like, get me to the playoffs. It's like it's cold. Let's get this done with. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, that, that's pure speculation, but yeah. I mean, yeah, the Browns just aren't that great of a team. I'm going with the Bills. Uh, Carolina at Baltimore. I'm going Baltimore. Really, no reason to expand on that one. I'm going Baltimore as well, but if Baltimore is going to do anything like Baltimore does, this is going to be an ugly, way too close of a game, like 20 to 19 or something. Uh, but they should they have, win this one, though. They have no goddamn receivers, man. They. I know. It's bad over there. Uh, Detroit at the Giants. I mean, goddamn. You would think the Lions fans won, won the Super Bowl because they won two in a row. I mean, let's. you got away with a lot of penalties. Let's call it what it is, Lions fans. You're not beating the Giants at home. I'm going Giants. This this was one of the tougher ones that I had to pick this year or the, this week. Um, because the Giants still don't look like a good football. It's so weird. They don't look good, but they just win. So like you win. are, you are, you are what your record says you are. But there's like nothing that I feel like you can point to if we're like thinking about playoff matchups where you're like, man, the Giants are better at this than that team. Like you look at the other elite teams in the league. They don't really no, have. They'd get, they'd get their asses kicked by the elite. They're like the Tennessee of, of the NFC. That's a very good comparison. I, I I agree with that. But to that point, it doesn't shock me when Tennessee loses to bad or average teams. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going with the upset here, Jackie. I think the Lions keep it rolling. Is it even an upset? I'm not even sure. Well, I guess record-wise, it it's probably an upset. It has to be. Yeah. Well, well, let me You're see right. what the spread is. You're right. Giants only negative three. I mean, that's usually what you only yeah, you give to the home that's a pick'em. That's a pick'em yeah. game right there. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you the Lions. I won't be surprised. But I, I just, come on. Giants are gonna win. Uh, Frank. I mean, holy shit. This game is going to be probably the worst game of of Sunday. Raiders at Denver. I mean, I, I'm picking Denver. Just. Because they have a, a very good defense, I, I feel yeah. like that's. I, I, how could you? How like what? How how could you pick the Raiders in this scenario? You have Derek Car- Derek Carr. I was going to say Derek Carr crying, and then it turned into Derek Carr. Derek Carr crying at the podium because he's so frustrated about how bad this team has been lately. It, it this thing is done. Like it, it's Urban Meyer esque. I, I don't understand how people were excited for Josh McDaniels to take over this offense. Like, I, I understandably excited about Devontae Adams pairing up with Derek Carr because that's been pretty successful, obviously. But, like, this dude showed you who he was in Denver. And he showed you again who he was in Indianapolis. Like, I, I don't understand how the Raiders were like, you know what? Yeah, he's the guy. He's the guy. It's so yeah. broken in there. But then you have the fucking flip side. You have Denver, 
with just a terrible offense. Like it, it's it's wild, man. It's absolutely crazy. I'm going Denver just because they're at home and they have a good defense. Yeah, I, I'm going with them for the for the same exact reason. I will say, you know, for as many gripes that piled up over the years with Brian Pace when he was the GM of the Bears, he gave us a parting gift with Justin Fields. I'll always have a you know a place in my heart for that. But just fucking imagine, Jackie, if Denver would have accepted that, or uh, our, our Seattle would have accepted that trade from the Bears. Holy uh, shit. I mean, I mean you're we, like, would we be Bears? Would we be doing this podcast anymore? I honestly don't know. I, I, I legitimately don't know. But um, you, like, you think about where Ryan Pace's place is amongst you know all the GMs. You probably slot, slot him right in at average in our lifetime. I mean, he wasn't like the worst, but he was clearly not the best. If that trade would have went through, you're talking about probably the worst. I mean, it, it would have taken that one deal to say he is the worst executive that Chicago has ever seen. And it's so crazy because at the time I remember talking about it, like we were, we were kind of excited about the prospect of Russell Wilson just because we didn't have, we didn't have an answer at quarterback, right? We yep. had no, we had nothing at that point. And it's like, all right, we're getting a pro bowl. We could be getting in a pro bowl quarterback, someone who's been to the playoffs, someone who can put up numbers, like just make. And again, I think more so than winning, it was, oh, the bears would be fun with Russell Wilson. Yeah, that's and exactly. God what it damn, was. how wrong would we have been at that point? Uh, you're absolutely right. It's it at that, yeah, that would have been yikes. Uh Dallas at Minnesota. Man, Dallas just not who they thought I was. Fuck it. I'm going Minnesota. Late game. I know Kirk Cousins isn't the best in these types of situations. Fuck it. I'm going Minnesota. They're they're they gotta prove me that they're not they're they're not very good. I'm going Minnesota. I'm going Minnesota as well. And you know what? Kirk Cousins may not be good in these situations, but Kirk O'Chains is fucking prepped and ready. Uh, you know, but not for nothing, though, Jack. We talked about that catch by Justin Jefferson being the best catch that we've ever seen. That may have been the best game I've ever seen. Regular season, anyway. That game was fucking insane. It was the, wild. I mean, Josh Allen fumbling, but then him coming right back and tying. I mean, that was... That was an extremely fun game to watch. Like, usually I get upset when, like, there's two minutes left, but it takes, like, 20 minutes of real time. I could have put up with 40 minutes of that in the last two minutes because that was phenomenal. Yeah, it was. Really enjoyed that. But, yeah, I'm going Minnesota as well. Uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Come on. Going Cincinnati. Pittsburgh, I know they're coming off a win, but I'm not going to put too much stock into that. Let's go. Let's go Cincy. I'm going Cincy as well. The Steelers are going to be another thing that I really want to, you know, talk about in the offseason and keep an eye on because this is the first time they're ever going to be in this situation with Mike Tomlin. They're going to be a top 10, potentially top five pick. And they just picked a quarterback. Are they going to rebuild? Like there's a ton of different ways that they can go about this, but with with potentially like Tomlin leaving or like becoming an executive and and like getting a coach. But I'm really curious to see how they proceed forward because we've, we've literally never seen it with them. Right. Yeah. No, we've, we've literally never seen that. Um, Kansas city at the chargers. Um, I mean, come on, Kansas city all the way, Kansas city. I, that's another one. The, uh, the chargers are firing their coach. They have to, he, he, he's done. No way. I, the only, uh, the only thing I would say, the only excuse I think I'd give Brandon Staley is the fact that Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams have been hurt and, and Justin Herbert 
I think is very clearly hurt. With well, the he, he's, he's dealing with some broken ribs, but it, it, the fact that I mean, it, just, it looks the same exact as last year. Like the in-game decisions that he's making, it's the his, his weird concern. It's it's the defense to me that does it. Like this defense has stars almost at every level, and you don't really see them do anything. Like it's it's very weird that this defense isn't one of the best defenses in the league. I, I think almost, that's yeah. It's almost like Khalil Mack is just a name now. Ooh. Huh. Frank wants to spit truth. He wants to spit truth out there. <laughs> no, but PFF grades him as, as one of the best players in the league. Frank. Dude, they're so weird. They've graded Sam Mustafer as like a 90 percentile block or whatever, 90 blocker in the same game where he had two plays where he was fucking running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't understand their metrics. I, I don't either. And it's one of the things that makes me dislike advanced metrics in terms of football. Baseball, I think it's very valuable. I think it's very useful. I think there is a place for it in the NFL as well. But like, it's just like how like I'll I'll never forget. I well, I guess I will forget. There was a game last year uh, in his Bears tenure that Khalil Mack had, where it was like he was fucking all over the place, and they graded him as like one of the worst players in the game. And it's like, dude, like what? I I don't. How does that make any sort of sense? Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't really understand how how they grade stuff out. It's, Jack, it's did you just strange. did you just assume that you're going to get Alzheimer's? Why did you say you're going to forget that? Well, because I I was like about to spit like, oh, here's what game it was. Here's oh, who they okay, played. I see. Here's what I thought you were was. just like saying, you know, you're just you're I'm like in the future that I'm gonna yeah. Have. I think it, it it's very well possible. Let's just yeah, let's yeah, leave that, it. That's fair. <laughs> Um, but um, I, I will say the, the, the statement about advanced metrics, the one thing that we, we're not privy to any of the advanced metrics that the NFL uses no. that in their staff. So if they could be looking at something totally different, they have to be right. Like, I feel like they're, cause I, I don't, I don't think PFFs takes into account the system and people's assignments, NFL coordinators and head coaches understand that. I think that has to be in their data department. I would think so. Like weighted yeah. in, right? Yeah. They're not using PFF. <laughs> they're, they're I not. certainly fucking hope but, not. But see, that's what it's something else that makes me laugh. And we'll get to the final couple picks here in a second. But like a Sunday night football every night when they do the player introductions and they have it right at the bottom, they have the PFF like grades. It'll be like a like a center and he'll be like 55 out of 162. And you're like, oh, so he's not even like a starting caliber center. He's like yeah. one. He's like a backup like that. Oh, But then. Uh, Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico will be talking about it. They'll be like, yeah, this guy's a stud. And it's like, but PFF has him yeah. just like a fucking backup. Like, it's, how does it, that? But there, there was also, I forgot what game I was watching. Now that you said that, there was one game uh, and they were just talking about, what well, maybe was it the Philly? Was it an Eagles game? I don't remember. But they were like, it's the best offensive line in football. And, here, and just like you said, it was like, 79 of 104 86 and i'm like what are you guys grading these guys at yeah and how are there 104 centers in the league right like what the fuck are you talking about pff like maybe i'm just maybe we're not we're being ignorant here and we don't know what but like where does that number come from where does 100 and something come from where does 70 something are you grading practice squad people and like ranking them above and then you have to go into like like you go to their website and you they make you sign up and they're like that's how you that's You'll never know unless you pay for it. And it's like, I don't but want I, to I've also, I've never seen any player. And this, I, I'm sure it's happened. I'm just saying I've never seen it 
rated in the top 10 when they show those people. They're all low. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It, they're, they're always uh, like, here comes the best uh, receiver in the Tyreek Hill, the University of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 84 out of 376. I'm like, Tyreek is, is getting rated that low. What are we doing here, PFF? I mean, it's just so true. It's so fucking weird, man. It's <laughs> I, I've never understood the PFF. Why do they include it? I don't like they never do anything with the well, numbers you, during you, the you, game. You know, you know why they do it, though? It's to it's to have some sort of appeal to people who don't like the the casual fan, yeah. because I've had the similar complaint with boxing. They like they keep this the CompuBox punch stats, yeah. certain broadcasts, and that doesn't tell you anything about the fight. So people even at the end like he's had, he landed more punches than him. Like how did he lose this fight? That doesn't show you the context of any of the punch because right. the, if I just literally graze you, they count that as a punch. But if you deck me right in the eye, it's also just counted as a punch. So it gives you no context on how those punches land. And it's like the same thing there. They just want to give you like an idea, but it's not helpful at all. As a matter no, of fact, I think not. it's hurtful. I agree. I, I, I totally agree. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up here. San Francisco at Arizona, um, regardless of who's playing quarterback, whether it's Kyler Murray or not, I, I'm going San Francisco. They, they've obviously figured their shit out. And Frank, I, they should be on the phone yesterday trying to trade Trey Lance. See what you can get. If you can get something back. Because wow, I, you think Dude, I, I understand he's not the best quarterback, but Jimmy Garoppolo is just such a better fit for what they're trying to do right now. And they have just so many damn weapons for him. I don't Jimmy G is a guy you can win with, right? Like the NFC is not right. that strong. Trey Lance, he didn't I it's it's tough to say that he didn't look great though, because the one game he really got to play in was that fucking monsoon. I I don't know, man. I I I think they should just stick with Jimmy G at this point. Like he's he's playing really well, and and this offense just seems to work better with him. Yeah. In in implemented. So I I don't know. But I, I you know what I I disagree about looking to trade Trey Lance because this may be. If he heals right and he comes back physically okay, which he should, this may be better for him and, and, and maybe better for the organization. Like, you still have this guy under contract for at least two more years, if not a fifth-year option. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't have to look for the next. If you were already bought in on him and this injury isn't setting him back once he's healed physically, you should still be high on him as, as a talent. So it's another year for him to study the playbook. It's another year for him to get acclimated with this offense, unless Kyle Shanahan gets fired, which I don't forecast, or he just retires or something. But this may be, you know, the, the, a, a silver lining for him. Uh, but he's still going to have, you still, I mean, we, I think we saw how important it was with Justin Fields last year to learn on the job still. So there's still, you know, that portion of it as well. Uh, but I'm going 49 as well. The Cardinals, Cliff might be done too. Fire everybody. There's three coaches that should still be here next year, and they're all in Chicago. Eber Frus, Luke Getze, and Alan Williams. The best coaching staff in the fucking league. Not even close. I don't know about Andy Reid, who? I don't know. I don't remember him rushing for 250 yards, six straight games, breaking the Steelers record from 1930. 1930, Jack, segregation was still a thing. That's how fucking far back we're breaking records, baby. They're rolling in the grave watching a black quarterback doing this to them. That's what the fuck's happening. Let's the go, Justin. The conversation about Alan Williams may may need to be had because, uh, listen, I understand he's not playing with a lot of talent, but, dude, come on, man. You, you got to blitz. You, you start picking I, yeah, up the fucking I, I, I blitz. Get it. You got to cover for, for your deficiencies, and you're 
fucking pass rush doesn't do jack shit now. You have nothing there, and you're costing your corners confidence because Kyler Gordon's just getting torched. Jalen Johnson looks like a fucking bum out there being graded as the worst player. I mean, come on, man. Like, Al Williams, fucking, like, you got to do something. Talk to him, Jackie. (laughs) I mean, it's it's absolutely wild. Your best player right now is Jack Sanborn. (laughs) Look, come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What is this? Jackie, you're, you know, you're, you're not wrong on some of your points and I love the passion, but let me tell you, Alan Williams is keeping his job next season (laughs) (laughs) because if there's one thing that the Lord doesn't like, it's Chicago sports and he's going to find a way to torture us. The NFL God. I'm not even saying that Alan Williams is bad. I'm kidding. No, no, but Al Williams is actually – that's what's frustrating to me, Frank. He was calling good games earlier in the year. He was. And it's not like – you can't tell me. You cannot tell me that the loss of a 37-year-old Robert Quinn and and, and Roquan Smith, you can't tell me that those two guys have just, like, tanked this defense unless the fucking plan is to just tank for picks – like, I, I don't understand how this defense has gotten this much worse. It makes no sense. Unless guys are hurt in ways that we just don't know, which is right. very possible. Because Jalen Johnson, I mean, come on, man. Something is going on there. He, uh, granted, yep. he may not have been as good as you, as Bears fans, you and I even, have, have suggested that he is. But come on, man. There's no way he's this bad. He's I mean, getting Jackie, outraced by a backup tight end. Like, come on. I know. And, and that's what I was just going to say. I didn't have very many thoughts going into this game as to what I wanted to see. But that's one of them. Is Jalen Johnson has got to get his act together, man. You're talking about a guy who had a fan base behind him. And I don't think we're ever this, we were this extreme about it. I thought we thought he was a good corner. I don't know if, like, elite was ever a thing for us. It's, it's one of those things where you have to continue to prove yourself there. Because he's never looked like Sauce Gardner. You know what I mean? Like... He just has never been that or even like Kyle Fuller, um, you know, when he was really good for us. But you, you, you start looking at why this defense has been disappointing. We can't get a pass rush. okay? so you can throw the defensive backs a bone a little bit. But we've seen defenses in Chicago rely on coverage sacks. You think about that 2015 defense before they got Khalil Mack. That's all they fucking got were coverage sacks. Kyle Fuller was balling. Um, but did, did we get Prince Amukamura just yet? I think we did. Yes. Fallen. He had a good two, three years with us. Like talent still is going to win out. Like you, you're not, just like you said, the example that you just used that tight end sprinted past him. And I thought it was Jalen Jones. It's yeah. like, oh, here goes far or Kendall Vildor. Here goes fucking Vildor. And I looked, I was like, wait a minute. That's 33. That's 33. What the fuck? I mean, so he, he, he's got to, he has got to step it up. Um, and, and, I, and I, I think that that's a, not only for for winning purposes or the total defense, that's a huge red flag because we thought with the with the drafting of Kyler Gordon, even with him being bad earlier in the year, he's also had a bad game last week. But he, he he's shown some flashes, and for me as a rookie, that's all I can ask for to string me along into year two or three. Right? It's like give me some flashes, and now let's let's see you get consistent. Jalen Johnson has regressed immensely, and this means we have another yet another hole on defense because now if Jalen Johnson continues to play this way it wouldn't shock me if we drafted in the second or the third another cornerback because we fucking need one and we shouldn't after we just drafted a corner Uh, what I'm hoping is it is as simple as him being hurt because if you'll recall they had a guy 
brought up from the practice squad ready to go in case Jalen Johnson was out. He ended up playing, and then they sent that guy back down, made him inactive. So I'm, I, that's my hope. My hope is just that he's hurt and, and they're just not saying anything um, because you're right. That, that is that it, it would be incredibly, incredibly disappointing if the first two picks that Ryan Poles made as a bear as the Bears GM was to basically establish the secondary. And then we have to go back to the well, whether it's in free agency or in the draft, which I, I think they're going to have to anyways. And we've talked about this like. Can Vildor, Jalen Jones, I mean, come on, those just aren't, those just aren't reasonable options. Um, It it would just be disappointing. Um, And I think this is a good test. I think you're right. This is, this next game is a, is a great test because you're going up against two very, very talented wide receivers in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Um, Granted, Kyle Pitts hasn't had the season that I think a lot of people were hoping or expecting he would. Um, But this is a good test for the secondary and, and not for nothing like Jaquan Brisker, man. Show me something. Do do something like I understand the talent isn't there. We've talked about this number of times. Where are the turnovers, man? Like, where are the fucking t- I know Jack Sanborn had one, but because Jalen Johnson apparently sniped the guy in the head that got taken away. It's still an unbelievable call. I, I absolutely wild, but we just, I'm not seeing the hits principle come through. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm just not seeing it. And man, I, I'm not going to say we were wrong about Travis Gibson and, and Dominique Robinson necessarily, but to me, though, those two guys have been arguably the biggest disappointments on on the defensive side of the ball. If if Jalen Johnson isn't isn't hurt, obviously he would be number one for me. But yeah, because because we really thought, given an opportunity, both guys would flourish, and they just aren't winning. They're not doing anything. Like you look, Justin Jones is really the only guy in that defensive line who's really consistently performing. Yeah, I no, I I, I totally agree. Um. But again, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I I, I want to see. I, I'm not as down on the defense as a whole and the hits principle stuff until they get more talent. Because even and people, you know, are probably like, well, we traded away our. T-. We weren't a good defense with Roquan <laughs> and with, with three uh, Robert Quinn. That's that's three what wins. I mean. So it's like they still weren't very good. But um, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the running back situation in which we touched on is something I'm really looking to. I have no predictions, but I, I, I'm going to have reactions <laughs> right, uh, after that game. But I think the only thing for me, two things really, and they're really quick. They're not they're not much. Claypool has to be more involved. This is not a very good defense in the Atlanta Falcons. We need to get him more involved. He needs to, I, I mean, he needs to play 90% of the snaps plus. It's just, there's, I should not see him off the field unless he just made a big play and he needs a breather. Um, and then two with the offense, I want to start seeing more scheduled plays sprinkled in. I love the Justin Fields magic, the backyard football. We're always going to have that until his athleticism goes away in year 24 because he's, you know, he's going to play that long for us. Um, but that that portion's going to be there. I need to see this team have some more on schedule throws because it's in there. And I don't know whose fault it is exactly. I think you have to share the blame between Getsy Fields and the weapons. It, it, you know how you dice it up percentage-wise. You can do that. You know, 
people can do that. But I need to see more of it. I need to see it more consistently. Um, and I think just speaking of the game, the Bears should win this. Like, dare I say, I don't think Atlanta can match our firepower. Like, the off the, the Bears offense has been elite the last three weeks. And I don't know. I, I, I There's nothing that Atlanta does that, like, worries me that makes me feel like, yeah, you know, we can't score 30 again. And there's nothing that Atlanta does on offense outside. Like, we're not going to be able to stop the run. So whatever the fuck they put back there is going for 100. But do I trust Marcus Mariota to do anything that these quarterbacks we've played prior have done? I don't think so. He he may have a big game on the ground too, but like he's Marcus Mariota. Yeah, this game should probably will probably be over in about fifty minutes. This is probably. this is going to be the Mark Burley game of the NFL. This thing's <laughs> getting in and out. Um, yeah, the Bears. I'm going Bears. I, I don't know if I I don't think I established that, but I, I pick I'm picking the Bears. I'm going to go back to the well one more time. God damn it. Third times the charm. But it's like, the Bears it's should about, absolutely kill this team. I, I'm sorry. Like they, they can't. They can't. You said that about the Lions. They, they, we can't kill anybody. We can win Lions games. We can good, win a game or two, but we can't kill anyone. Our defense on. can't get a stop. Yes, they can. This is it. This is uh, real quick. I, I wanted to touch on the Chase Claypool thing. Uh, Chase Claypool, 35% of the snap share uh, in his Bears debut. Mm-hmm. 31% See, in this past game. Jack, 19 snaps total. I didn't even I, I didn't even see that. And I wasn't like jotting things down before our reaction. But remember, I said it felt like we used him more in the first week that we had him than this week. And that's I don't like that. That's disappointing. And I I, I would love to when the when the Bears talk this week, I would love for Luke Getze to explain what's going on there. Uh, because that to me is unacceptable. Yeah. There's no excuse for you trading a second round pick. Granted, first game, fine. We I I yeah, that was absolutely. something that you and I had talked about. It's something I mentioned to people in dynasty leagues and things like that, like temper your expectations. He's probably not gonna play that much. The second week with a full week of practice against a really fucking bad defense. He plays less than he did in his debut. How does that make sense? That is yeah. that that's that's insane. That's insane to me. I agree. That's absolutely crazy. But that being said, I'm still going to go Bears regardless of of how much Chase Claypool plays. Ju- Justin Fields is going to be the best player on the field. Um, I, this is going to be a game they have to win. Not have to, but this is going to be a game that they do win. Yeah, I'm going Bears the as Ryan well. The Ryan Pace I'm- revenge game. Yeah. I'm thinking like 33 to 24 bears. No, come on. Come on. It's going to be like 45, 42. Bears. If we can get in the forties, that'd be phenomenal. We should have been in the forties against the Patriots. I mean, maybe that's the red flag. I remember early on in Nagy's career or his tenure with the bears, we ignored something. We're like, ah, you know, it's offensive is the coach of the year, but there were some things in that first year. And especially in that second year, when he's just letting it rip, calling plays, it's getting to the zone. What if that was it? What if that was red flag number one for Eberflus that he should have uh, went for forty and he just he's not a fucking killer. I, I, he's not the I killer do. that Come we on. need. So what I we do brought is that up in the post game show and you yelled at me. You said, yeah, nah, man, come on, it's but fun. no, I'm with, like, no. Uh, you know, with, with, with hindsight, you know, we may be able to see if that was true or not. But then what if this happens, Jack? Ryan Poles recognizes that this offseason. He says, you know what? We need to change the scenery. 
and Peyton Manning becomes your head coach of the Chicago Bears, and Justin Fields is just out here fucking slinging dick, 300 passing yards a, a game, 14 wins, MVP, 2023. Who says I would, no? I would die of of happiness if, if Peyton Manning became the head coach of the Bears. I would die. I, I would literally, like, I wouldn't even need to watch the season. Give me the announcement. <laughs> Jack, we... <And> then- <laughs> We may we may have to have a segment where I just like make up scenarios and have you react to them in the off season because I feel Absolutely. like I can paint I like every episode I can just paint a different picture I think you're you're a menace in that in that sense because <laughs> the things that your brain comes up with and your ability to con people into believing anything you say <laughs> it's it's impressive it's really impressive you've seen it you've seen it firsthand you came out firing. Oh, Cooper Cup done with an ACL, and everybody's like, "Oh fuck!" I know. I'm like, guys, it's been like 20 minutes. Huh? Three of us like, holy shit, that. man! I didn't, I didn't even see the play. Frank I wasn't even me, watching the game. You got me on a DJ Moore. I don't think we ever talked about that on the podcast. No. It was right after the Claypool thing, and I'm like, "Give me more." And you're like, "All right, the Bears just changed trade for DJ Moore." I'm like. I'm like looking at Twitter. I'm like, nah, man, fucking God damn it. Frank fucking got me. Cause he, yeah, you, you preyed on my, on my excitement and I don't, I did. That. it was funny though. I'll give you that. It was very funny, it but was, uh, all right, Jackie, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. That'll do it for this week's edition of the bear with us podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening as always. Uh, we will be back on Sunday uh, once again to do our post game show. Um, actually, Frank might be solo for that. You're, you might be solo. Uh, I, I'm attending the uh, the Blackhawks game uh, for the Marion Hosa retirement thing. My dad's big Marion Hosa guy, so I don't even know if I'll see the end of the game, unfortunately. That's disappointing, but Frank's finding this out live, and you can tell that he's cool with it because he, he knows that you guys love him more than me anyways. So That's true. We'll go from there. But uh, all right, Frankie, we'll get out of here and uh, go Bears. We'll see what happens on Sunday, man. Yep. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody.